the message that Brother Johnson preached is actually what God has dealt with me for the last six, seven years, knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. Brother Johnson, I won't ever get off of it. And what you're going to hear today is some more of that. If you don't want to hear that, you don't want to hear me. I woke up to the fact that until we know who he is and what he means to me personally, you'll have a hard time struggling to live an apostolic Pentecostal life. You'll have a lot of problems with that. It's got to get out deep in your spirit, down in your soul. God's got to change your nature. He hates your nature. The one who's born with you isn't going to save that one. He's going to bring you back into heaven what he kicked out of heaven. Amen. So the Holy Ghost is telling us, this is the message I believe for the last days. I believe this is a message for the hour, and who do, those that fail to get on it is going to miss it because the world I'm living in and the technologies that we have coming and the evil that controls our government and our nation, you will never make it on your own unless you know who he is. Let's love him right here. Let's give him honor and give him praise. I worship you, Jesus. Amen. No, yes, sir. I want to make sure it wasn't on. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let me get to, to the message. I'd like to touch base with you in the book of Hosea, fourth chapter, the sixth verse. And I think this applies to us just as much as it did to Israel in that day. The book of Hosea is a very unusual book to me. It really is. I won't get into it, but he's a very unusual person. And somehow he touched, God used him to touch the main artery of Israel's problem. I mean, he's not dealing with the symptoms. He's not dealing with the fever. He's dealing with what causes the whole problem. And when you get down to the bottom line and get that taken care of, that's a lot better than just getting the easy aspirin for a couple hours. It's good to get rid of the whole thing, get it out of your system. <laughs> and this is exactly what I feel like that he, that he said here in these verses. Now, I know we've heard it, we've quoted it, and we've talked about it. But I never have been so concerned about what I'm going to talk to you today than I am right now. This is an hour for every one of us Pentecostals. I don't care how many years we preached, you have not scratched the surface of knowing who you're serving and who the mighty God you have. We've got the revelation of it to this far, but do you still ever stop and think why we're going to have eternity to be with him? It'll take that long to know him. It will be dead, dull, and boring. I'm not going to be on a fleecy cloud hanging right there with a harp. I don't like either one. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to explore the universe. I'm going to see things and hear things I never could have thought of because I wasn't there in this place what he calls his bride. But I believe I'll lose all of my carnality and all my ways of this life, and I'll have a, a memory that won't fail. I have everything perfect, and I'm going to see things that Jesus Christ has built and made that I never would have known until I found him. We want to love him. We want to learn about him today. And I, Brother Johnson's message, I'm telling you, it dovetails into me. I want to find somebody that wants to talk about Jesus. 
We talked about problems long enough. It's about time to find out how Jesus solves problems. How Jesus does it. And friend, he does it. All right, let's get to the point here. In the fourth chapter of Hosea, and uh, the sixth verse. He said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no more priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. The part I want to dwell on especially, not dealing with Israel now, I'm talking about us, is the fact what I don't know can kill me. What I don't know can destroy me. What I don't know may keep me from going up in the rapture. We may be sincere, but you may be sincerely wrong. So I've got to go beyond that to the source of all knowledge, all wisdom, all understanding, and that's Jesus himself. If you like it, he said, go ask me for it. Now, if you get God's direction, God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's understanding, I tell you what, it won't be your reasoning and it won't be no glory to you. It'll just be him revealing himself and he'll do that even to a child, even to a small children. God can talk to children. He talked to a Samuel. He can talk to our children. God's not so hard to talk to if you, if you got that love in your heart like when the Johnson preached to us. All right, now the point you, I want to dwell on just a, these few moments is my people destroyed for the lack of knowledge. If you go to the book of, of uh, Peter, uh, he makes statements that really, they empower me, empower my mind and my spirit if I could just digest it and put it in my soul deep enough. He said, I'm a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To them that are, have attained like precious faith with righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Here's the part I want you to start picking up. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Go back and hit it again. Listen to it. Grace, and I have to explain that word grace. Grace is not a D.L. Moody Baptist definition. It's, grace isn't the unmerited favor of God, period. No, grace is God's favor to help you and strengthen you that you can obey what he's asked you to do. I want to go over it again. We're scared of that word grace. Grace is not permissiveness. Grace is not ignoring sin or your shortcomings. Grace is saying, I, if you grow in grace, and notice it says peace, it'll be multiplied through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ, his favor is to help you to overcome anything in your life, to crucify your flesh, to get rid of your nature and get his nature. All right, you said you do this by the revelation and understanding of Jesus Christ. We're destroyed because we don't know him well enough. You don't backslide because you got the Holy Ghost. You backslide because you don't grow and learn that Jesus made it possible by his favor that anybody can make it. Everybody can make it. You were born to win. You wasn't born to lose. He didn't get you brought in to give you the Holy Ghost and keep you for 10 years and let you drift back into the world. No, sir. He wants you to get a hold of God and realize, I can do it through Christ Jesus my Lord. Now let's love him one more time here. Praise the name of our God.
We love you, we worship you, and we appreciate you. Oh, how great thou art. Oh, how great thou art. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Now you may be seated, and I want to touch base on a few places in the scripture, because I know you know your Bible well enough. I don't have to spend a lot of time talking about it, explaining it to you. But let me show you some things in the scripture where people, because they did not know how they were lost and how they failed and how they were killed and destroyed. If you look back in the scriptures very carefully, and in the days of Noah, and they knew not, and they knew not until the day that he went into the ark and the rain began to fall. They had 120 years to know, but there was no desire to learn, no interest to know, and discrediting what they did here. And at the end of the time when God said, close the door, no, he didn't say that. He said, he slammed the door. You can't open it, you can't shut it. But when he does it, you can't get in. So Noah didn't close the door. God shut the door. Notice that Noah and his family of eight Eight people out of all the earth that were not immorally corrupted. Friend, we're heading that way fast in our country today. We're heading toward the corruption of the gutters and of the sinfulness, the wickedness, the lewdness, the lowdownness. Name it. The minds of America are so polluted that when you bring people to Jesus Christ, it is a revelation of power of the Holy Ghost to get you out of that junk and change your mind. You talk about miracles, the biggest miracle you could ever see is when somebody is brought to the altar of repentance and be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and let the Holy Ghost change their nature. I tell you what, that's a miracle. While I'm on that spot, let me just explain this to you. We need the power of God in everything. But let me explain some part about this you need to recognize. If your child wanted to drive your car that has 450 horses in it, and that child is only six years old, and you let him drive that car, he's got power, more than he knows how to handle. You need to realize until your spiritual growth and your understanding and knowledge of Jesus Christ will equal the knowledge of Jesus, you don't need no more power than what you got. I've seen those people that and I say claim to be faith healers. Jesus is a healer. But those that, and I'm not doing away with those that may have greater understanding, great faith in certain ways and certain areas. I'm also telling you, until the Holy Spirit has changed your nature, and you're getting, you're getting His nature, you can still preach the gospel and still be lost. Because you trust in what you have been taught to lean on, just like Brother Johnson mentioned, we can think like if I look right, act right, dress right, do right, pay my tithe, sit in the church, be faithful, or you're a good saint. Let me tell you what, you are not a good saint. You need to be a convert of Jesus Christ, and your heart should humble and thirst after him, that you can never get enough of Jesus. It's not just a local service we're talking about. I'm talking about Almighty God of heaven that made the heavens and the earth. He came and dwelt in my soul. He wants to talk to me, reveal himself to me. I shouldn't back up and say, I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy. Oh, you, that's all right. His grace will make you worthy. If you learn the humble first at the righteousness, you will be filled. 
Now, the thing that I see in our latter days, I see it so happening right here. And this is the area that is, this deeply disturbs me. When I think about my little grandchildren, and maybe even my children, facing this earth with this technology we have today, it's gone way beyond my understanding. I can't figure it out. I don't know all about it. But I know one thing, a red flag went up in my spirit. When I begin to see what they're going to put on all this internet and talk about all this computer stuff, don't tell me that you can put a resolution against a box anymore. Your, your computer can bring every trash in the world inside if you want it. It's come to the day now, unless it's in your heart, you aren't going to live it anyway. No, sir. It's got to be deep in your spirit. You're going to make the decision. You'll say, I cannot sin against my God. It's got to be deep inside of your spirit or you won't make it. We've got to have it, friend. It's got to be. We must get a hold of ourselves and realize I can't lean on 50, 60 years of preaching and call myself okay. No, 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 no. I'm telling you what I even feel right to this very day. I need to know him more than ever before. I don't know him well enough. I'm hungry for him. I'm thirsting for him. Come on, let's love him one more time. Worship him. Praise him. Hallelujah. He shall come Sodom and Gomorrah, they ate, they drank, built it, married and given marriage. Until, until. Notice this. He does not force you. You have no choice of the messenger that tells you. He's going to judge you upon how you heard it in response, in obedience. And if you look at the scripture very carefully, Abraham and Lot. Lot served God through Abraham. I don't hear him ever building an altar. I don't know that he must have prayed. He must have had something. There was something there. I can't tell you what. I don't understand all about that little part right there. But I'm saying this. We can lean on our record. We can lean on what we have believed. You can lean on the new birth. But I'm explaining this carefully to you. When it comes right down between you and the temptation, you and the flesh and the world, you're the only one that's going to be able to say no. The preacher can't say it for you. Someone years ago, one of our boys going to high school, and they didn't. They wanted him to dress out with the rest, and there was that big uh, educational system that's that's trying to rule our education system. Got passed that we had to have, you know, mixed boys and girls and their shorts and all of this business. <clears throat> Frank told the teacher, said, I, "I can't participate in this." He was upset over it, the teacher was, as you can see. So when I went down to talk to the advisor, the counselor, they made the statement this way. Frank, is this your conviction or is it because of the church? Thank God I taught him well enough. It was his. And he's proved it over and over again over these many years. I'm expressing to you 
This is no time to do it just to please each other. This is no time to think because we have a certain amount of support of those that love being like me that I'm doing all right. Friend, you and Jesus Christ must have a ready rendezvous together. There must be a time that you and him get together as a class and a student and let the Holy Ghost begin to tell you and reveal to you what a mighty God you're serving, what a great God you have. And he can change your life. He can change everything in you. But you've got to realize this. He's got to have a willing mind and a committed spirit because if you don't have it, you'll never learn to know him. Let me just give you the others right quick and pass on from those. I want you to notice he said, Jerusalem, because you did not know the time of your visitation. You didn't know the time of your visitation. Thank you. Time of your visitation. And I'm praying, oh God, don't let us miss the time when you're visiting us before the storm gets here. I believe the storm is coming close. I believe we're going to face a world that's run by homosexuals. It's going to be run by people that's wicked and evil and darkness that's covering the land. The gross darkness of the people. But I tell you what, this is a time for real Christians to get a hold of heaven and be really what you are. Let's be apostolic, Holy Ghost filled. But let's have a love for Jesus that we can say no. Joseph had it. No pastor, no church, no family. He told that woman, said, I can't do this wickedness against my God. That's how come I can't do it. Put in prison, forgotten for two years, even to be brought out after he did favors for those other fellows. It just seems like God allows certain things to come to all of us. You can't explain, but I'm telling you what, it develops Jesus in you more than you realize. The more you suffer for his name's sake, you're going to take on his spirit, his nature, and his ways. You won't fight back. You won't retaliate. You won't get upset. You won't get mad. you just pray, Jesus, teach me how to do it like you did it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we serve a great God, a mighty God. <clears throat> Some few years ago, it happened to me in a way that I didn't plan, but I got hungry and thirsty to know him. I can't hardly teach on this to a new congregation just I tell you something, some of it. I won't tell you all of it. I got to the place that I felt empty. I've even, now when I say this, I have to qualify it. Now if you misinterpret it, I'm sorry. But it got to the place I was so desperate to know him and to learn of him. I've asked him to show me his way. Show me your spirit. Reveal yourself to me. I need you. I need you, Jesus. And so... This happened day after day after day in prayer and worship. Now, I enjoyed it. It was not a heavy burden. I didn't go around with a sad look. I just looked forward for those visitations in the morning because I started waking up early. And they said, well, that's because you're getting old. Well, great. I want to live in the daylight anyhow. I want to go to heaven where there's no night. I don't like night. I like daytime. I like to live in the light. I like to live in the presence of the glory of the light of the Lord. Well, anyway, I, I just got so possessed by this, I just said, Jesus, I don't even want to go to church. I don't want to go to camp meeting. I'm tired of meetings. I'm tired of being stirred and not changed. I'm tired of just being this way. Now, I didn't mean I didn't want to go. Understand what I'm saying? But I said, Jesus, I want to see you. It's you I'm after. There's no substitute for my personal relationship and getting close to know him. There's nothing, there's nothing can substitute for that. 
Now, lest you misunderstand me, I go back and try to do it over again. Yes, I love the house of God. I fellowship with the Lord in the house of God. But I'm not coming to the house of God just to have our meetings and just to enjoy what we call this church and enjoy a service. We've enjoyed too many sermons. It's time for some changes to be made. Amen. And when you get to know him and let him speak to you, that will change you quicker than anything I know of, friend. It's not a unique thought. He's more than a thought. It's not a unique sermon. We need to get Jesus working somehow in us until he's changing us. And when he changes you, you're going to like the change. You're going to enjoy the change. It won't be the struggle like you think it is. It'll be joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. And you'll say, oh, what a change has come over me. I just love it. I worship him for it. Hallelujah. I don't like to pass this one by because I feel like this is one of the things that I'm deeply concerned of for myself. I don't want to miss his visitation. When hour you come, I'm ready. Awaken me from sleep. Interfere with something that I'm doing. But Jesus, I always want to welcome you. I'll stop anything for you and me to talk. Now, I'm going to throw you a curve. I hate to have to keep qualifying so much, but I, I don't want you to misinterpret me. <clears throat> you see, it helped me one day when I realized I don't have to lose contact with Jesus, or I don't have to wait until I can kneel down and pray three hours. You can pray three hours and still not change. <laughs> And I notice that when I'm talking, he can't talk. And he said, be still and know that I'm God. Amen. Now, this is going to be a little curvy to you. You can pray as much as the Pharisees. The Pharisee fasted, was it twice a week? They even paid tithes of mustard seed. They wouldn't eat an egg late on Saturday. They strutted on the street corners all their righteousness and their holiness and their prayerfulness, and they prayed so people could see. They sent missionaries to make converts of the tomb of twofold child of hell more than they. Oh, he was tough on those guys. And I think it's time that we wake up. We ought to move on now to an understanding and depth and walking with Jesus Christ that will make you more dedicated, more holy, and more righteous than all the little things we got in that manual. If that bothers you, friend, you're backslid anyway because that don't mean much of nothing. If that, you can't live that, forget it. Forget it. I don't believe that... I don't believe his yoke is, easy, is hard. I believe it's easy. I believe his ways are perfect. I believe what he talks about brings life. And here's the part that I'm hitting on strong in these days is this. He said, I've come to give you life. I got the Holy Ghost. I got the life of God. But Jesus said, you didn't get all of it. I got an abundance for you. If you're going beyond just getting by and enduring your tolerance of your own flesh and your own weaknesses and you tolerate to live with it, if you learn to come on with me, I'll give you an abundance of life. 
I mean, I'll give you more you can handle. I'll give you more you can use. I'll make joy and peace come into your life. It's when you get in the carnal flesh you have your problem, not in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're serving a God that's worthy of all my worship and all of my praise. He's worthy of all of it. You know what? Those men on the Maus Road did not know who they was talking to. Walked all the way home. Didn't even know who he was. And the strange part about it was Jesus started back in the Old Testament telling them what the scripture had to say. And they never recognized him because they were so disappointed at Calvary. We had hoped, but he shattered our hopes. And he said, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe the scriptures. And he started in teaching from way back in the Old Testament. Must not it be that someone had to suffer and die? Well, they all knew that. But anyhow, it wasn't until they come to the place of turning off to go into their house that they said, oh, please come in. And he went in. And it wasn't until he blessed the bread. I'm saying this to all of us. And I'm, I'm disappointed that I didn't get on this 35, 40 years ago. I have come to the place to understand and realize there's very few people that know his voice, that know his voice. Now, I don't have time to go into it, but he speaks first out of his word. He can speak by his spirit. There's many ways, and I'm not going to be able to get into that, but I am saying that when you hear this book preached and it's the word of God, don't you stop and figure whether you believe it or not. Do it. You say, I don't understand it. Do it. I don't know whether I like it. Don't matter to me if you like it or don't like it. Do it. You've got to start doing what he said before the revelation may come to you sometime. But if you wait till you understand it, you may be dumb all your life. Amen. You just do it. Now, if you notice it, the knowing of him makes his relationship to you stronger than your friends. If you Brother Johnson, you preached on, on John. I know some preachers, if you preach on love, you think you're weak. How foolish are we? He is love. I'm not talking about the world's definition, but he is love. You better understand that. You're not honored by God how hard you can be. No, sir, you're not. He said, gentle. We think we've got much power. We're the boss. Let me tell you what, there's no bosses in God's kingdom. Now, let me help you again. That rules all of us. I go to the same altar that you go to. I've got to ask God to help my life to be changed just like you've got to be changed. God didn't put me down here to be, a, to be a ruler in a harsh situation. Look, Jesus didn't have to do it. His word had more power than to add anything in his own nature that was not Christ's nature. He didn't have to, he didn't have to do that. He said, I could call 12 legions of angels, but he didn't do it. He could display his power in more ways than one, but he didn't do it. I'm explaining something to you. Jesus Christ restrained from using everything he had that made him God to be able to give his life to save you from, you from sin, and that was because he gave it, not because they took it. Now, when he did this, the big thing was on the cross, 
He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Let me tell you, friend, you can't hold grudges. You can't hold bad attitudes and bad spirits and bad spirits breed bad spirits. You can't do that. You've got to say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. We allow ourselves to get hurt and offended because we're carnal. Our carnality gets hurt. Our pride gets hurt. You say, they did me wrong. They did him wrong, too. Did they pluck the hair out of your head? Did they slap you? Did they spit in your face? No. Then quit complaining. He suffered all of that for you. We sing that song, Oh, How I Love Jesus, because he first loved me. Man has to have a because to even love God. But God loves you without a because. There was nothing in you that gave him anything that he could say because. No, he loves you without a because. He commanded his love toward us. He gave himself for us when we were rotten, go-down sinners. Because he loved. Let me tell you what, don't preach love as weakness. It's the flesh that wants to glorify how much power and authority you carry. Hey, let me tell you what, he's the almighty God. He holds it all in his hands. And be careful how you use it. Be careful how you work and deal with it with others. <clears throat> let me go to another one here, and then I want to wind up in a certain direction here. And these men was very definitely blinded by their sorrows and their questions and all of their disappointments. They couldn't even hear anything. The woman at the well, uh, she's a Samaritan, mixed breed. Jesus said, if you knew who this was, if you knew, if you just knew me, I could give you a well that you'd never thirst again. She said, and here she had water pots and, and going out here every day to get this water. She said, oh, said, forever give me that, give me that well. Said, our father Jacob dug this one. I can almost in our mind say, where are you going to dig mine? Then he jumped over and got her thinking about where do we worship. And she said, woman, the day is going to come it won't be in that mountain. It won't be in Jerusalem. I mean, he jumped over all of them. The day's going to come when you're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, she didn't know all about all of this. He revealed to her to better understand that he knew her, that she'd been married five times, and the man she's with now is not her husband. Well, that's common to our day. Now, if God can save that woman and deliver her, he can deliver any man or woman or boy or girl. But notice something. She went into the city and said, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Is not this a Messiah? Did those Jews admit that? No, but a Samaritan. Let me explain something else to you. Everybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. I don't know what nation you was born to him. You're a Gentile. We're all Gentiles unless you're a Jew. All right? Look. He opened the door of the Gentiles and made it so wonderful and great that Gentiles believed it. But the Jews could not leave their culture. They could not leave their religion. They could not leave their past. And I tell you, when the Apostle Paul was Saul and God spoke out of heaven and said, you, it's hard to kick against the pricks. And he began to talk to him that I am Jesus. And then first thing he said after that was, what would you have me to do? Lord, God knocked all the Judaism and his pride, everything else out of him in one second. How come? I heard his voice. I saw him. And when he spoke, 
I kicked out all my education and sat down at the master teacher to tell me all over again what I need to do now. I tell you what, if you can hear his voice, it'll change you. If you can recognize when the word of God is preached and you'll take it for that, it'll change you. Let me tell you what, you're in danger if you're a real good speaker, a good singer, a good promoter, whatever, you're in danger because you can do a lot of things without having him. But I want you to know when you find out I can't do anything without Jesus Christ, God can do some things that you'll be surprised about because he doesn't need your talents. He needs your heart. He needs your spirit. He needs your mind. And I think too much we're trying to put it over. And that's why I ever so often... I want to talk to somebody that wants to talk about Jesus. Now we have to have all these things to keep the work moving and going. If we didn't have programs, you wouldn't give half as much as you're given. Because they don't ride your back to support something, you wouldn't do it voluntarily. Be an exception. So I said we need the prodding. But listen, there is still something that Jesus wants you to know about him that goes beyond your church work. You see, there's a spot inside of us that's hungering, that's thirsty. And we say, well, I, I just don't have time to take off. Why take off? I found out I can love him while we drive my car. I can worship him. I can fellowship with him. When I opened the work in Napa years ago, I had to work. I didn't mind it. I enjoyed it. I finally had to go to contracting to make enough to try to get to, to build a church. But I want you to know many a day working on the scaffold, I was a plastering contractor. I tell you many days working on the scaffold all day long and uh, had that little Bible study for a small group of folks in a home. I found many a time I could talk to him on that scaffold and felt his presence and feel the Holy Ghost. Take a pad and a pencil with you because when he gives it to you, write it down, put it in your heart. You can go to Bible study, and I felt just as anointed when I went then as, I, as, as if I'd studied all day long. What am I saying to you? I'm saying the relationship makes a lot of difference. If you really know him, he can do a lot of things that you couldn't even imagine how it could be done without having to go back to do it your way. Learning of his ways, the way he does things. Learning to say it the way he says it. Take the scriptures and understand that. Now, Brother Johnson, you were teaching and preaching along these lines, but you notice how much he said different places. I never saw that. I never, come to, I never realized this till I saw it that particular time. You know what happened there? The Lord reveals. And you don't learn until the revelation comes. You may memorize a verse in the Bible and quote them perfectly, but you may not know anymore you did when you started it's got to be more memory. It's got to be in the spirit, in my spirit. And my relationship has got to be tangible, close, bonded together. That fellowship and that bonding together makes the walk and talk and life and living for Jesus Christ the best thing ever happened to any of us. Let me show you the two. The prodigal son made a grave mistake. He wasted his inheritance. The prodigal son did not come back and get what he had to start with. The elder son got the farm. But the elder son stayed at home and he was working for himself. Because all the improvements are going to be mine. Dad's here yet, but one day it's going to be mine. 
Now notice, when the particle got ready to come home, he had to come to himself and realize what he'd done and what had happened. And he, he knew the father better than the elder brother. I will say to my father. Now, if he didn't have faith that that father would forgive him, he'd never left the hog pen. But I know my dad. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going home. I'm going to tell him I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm not asking for any favors or relationship. All I'm going to place is a place to eat and sleep. And I'll be a servant on the farm. And the father said, no way. You're still my son. At least in my house, you're going to be my son. You made a mistake. You lost some things that I can't give back. But you're not going to stay here in my house and not be my son. Now, when he had a love for his son to bring him restore him, that's why I'm saying today, to, please, let's go back and start going back to these backsliders. Some of those folks don't feel they can get back to God. Some don't know how to come back to the house of God. Let's make it easy for those folks to come back and repent. I've had some folks just recently come back to God, been back, been back since for over 10 years. Think of that. And they're so happy about it now when I, I mean, they just keep thinking, oh, I'm so glad to be home. I'm so glad to be back in the church. Oh, I'm so glad I'm here. And they tell you what, friend, there's enough backsliders to fill up a church in this town. They don't know the Father very well. And they don't know the church very well. Because we're ready to help them and forgive. If you come back right, you'll enjoy the latter days of your life. But if you don't come back right, you're going to find yourself struggling to get that old nature out of the way to where you can enjoy living with the Father. But the elder brother was filled with so much envy, jealousy, and strife, and that's the sin of the righteous. That's the sin of the saints. That's the sin of any of us. That's our carnal nature. And it hides so weakly in the cloak that we can cloak it with. But I'm here to tell you, when you have fights and wars and struggles and strife going on in the house of God, it takes away from the work of the Lord, and you waste a lot of time that could be spent winning souls. So the elder brother looked at his father. You never gave me a good time. It's about time you and I wake up. There's more to this than just getting the Holy Ghost. It's time for a good time now. I know him now better. I know him better than I first started. Now I can have the abundance of living. I should enjoy living for God in my latter days more than I did any time in my life. I'm having the time of my life right now, friend. This is the best. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord saves the best wine to the last. I love it. I like it. I have enjoyed it. I'm having a great time knowing, learning about him. But I've for it all my life. It's the best thing ever happened to me. He's changed my life. I, I thank him for the change. I'm just trying to wake the church up and young people to hear the voice of the Lord. Hey, get a hold of your God. Learn that there's a joy that's beyond understanding and beyond explanation. It's a fulfilling joy. Let's praise it. I've spent my time trying to create hunger in young people's hearts. Pre create a hunger in the preacher's heart. That really living for Jesus Christ, if you just do it, how much trouble we allow ourselves because of our own natures. 
Oh, we're preachers. No, we're saints. No, we're young people that live for God. I don't care what we are as far as in what our positions are and what our experience has been. Let me tell you what. You need to deal with your nature every day of your life. Paul said, I fight in mine every day. He said, I aim my blows at the very thing I know that I shouldn't be doing. I hit it with a blow to knock it out. I don't sneak up on it and cut like cutting the dog's tail off the inch at a time. I said, I come up and whack it off where it needs to be whacked. It's better to get rid of it one time, get it over with, take the hurt and get it out of the road and move on. But you've got to learn that living for Jesus Christ cannot be done half-hearted in the carnality in the flesh and so on. Now, I hit that hard because I'm telling you, the biggest thing we're having today, when you start, only by pride comes contention. You start dwelling on the faults of God's church and you'll find out you, well, you lose faith in everything. Amen. Another thing you're going to find out, you've got to make yourself enjoy the preacher that preaches this preaching, even though he's not your kind the way you like to hear it. God never asked Israel what kind of prophet you want to give you a vote on. They didn't vote on nothing. He said, I'll just give you what I like, whether you like it or not. This is the way I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to judge you on what they tell you. Amen. I don't like to see the young man, or even the older man for that matter, they may not be as fluent and eloquent as some, and you don't get any attention because that's not, I, I, don't, I don't like that kind of preaching. In other words, he's, he doesn't hit my button. I want you to know, friend, you need to shout and worship the Lord because he's preaching the book. He may not say it in the way you like it. He may not say it in the charisma you like to hear it. Sure, we enjoy the inspiration. We enjoy the thrill of all these things. But that doesn't change you. What changes you is when you start doing what the book said. If you don't do what it says, you can enjoy too many sermons. And we've enjoyed too many sermons. That's all it was. We didn't change nothing. It didn't do you any good. You might as well have a good time. and have a, Okay, what's the next program? We have conventions today. We have 18, 20 preachers. They can't even digest the first sermon. So we've got three, four more coming on by behind them. We like preaching, preaching, preaching. But wake up, brother. You need to get a hold of God and obey some of that preaching. Amen. This is no time for us to get the idea that we're going to slide into heaven, make home base, but it's an easy old route. It's a time to realize you've got to fight the devil, the flesh, the world, and get a hold of your God to get this in your spirit. Put a love in my heart to love him and to know him. It'll make you love your family better. Some of them say, well, you guys, when you preach about the family all the time, well, the family is what makes the church. If you can't live it at home and the family, you can't make it in the church. But I, I tell some men, God said, love your wife. And you say, well, I used to. He didn't say that. He said, you love her. Well, she doesn't please me sometimes. I don't care if she doesn't. He said, you love her. He said, how do you love her? How do I love her? Just like I love you. I'm going to treat you like you treat her. Man, it's awful quiet on the western front. The Lord said, love her. He said, love your enemy. He said, I don't have one. He said, I'll give you one. <laughs> You'll never learn that kind of love until you do what he says. Amen? And wives, he said, love your husband. Respect and honor him. He said that to the wife. This idea today that we've got is a man-bashing day. It's a day to separate men and women and put them on opposite poles and we're fighting each other. It's a day until absolutely, I've never seen a day like this where division is coming to the families and coming to our nation like it has today. But I tell you what, if you love each other and respect one another, you'll have a home you both will enjoy. 
Children, you love and honor your parents. You respect them. You have bring the, the most fulfilling experience in the house. So what I'm talking about here, it goes back to living in the home, and when you come to church, it's already there. We're learning some things. <laughs> well, let me just tell you this one little incident. Because <clears throat> I've been preaching this at home for so long now that it's finally getting in. It's just really beginning to soak in now. It takes, takes 3,000 sermons to get one change in, in Pentecost. Peter preached one day, Pentecost got 3,000 souls, but man, we preach 3,000 sermons and just get a little change. She's, having, she's been in the church seven years, her and her husband. And I'm telling you, they don't get along, period. If they're nice to each other, it's so short they hardly know they had it. She said, Brother Price, I'm going to have to move out. I just had all I can take. I said, well, it'd probably do you good to get away from each other anyhow. So she went to her mother's about there in town, took the kids and left him a note and said, uh, I'm not going to see you and talk to you for a, a week. She told where she was. She went to prayer. And she told me she went to fasting and praying. Now, I don't know what she told me. I've got to get it clear. I haven't asked her yet. This happened some few months ago. She, I thought she told me that she was going to fast and pray till God changed her. I thought, dear woman, you know what you're asking for. I mean, if you mean that. But she said, well, I was down in prayer and prayed. Yeah, I want that settled first. It's not settling good right now. And I thought to myself, that husband is a deputy sheriff. He's one of those macho guys. I don't know how she lives with him either. Then I look at her. I don't know how he lives with her. And how those two found each other, I don't know. But they picked each other out of a whole world. They picked these. That's the, that was their choice. So she called him up at work and said, would you please come home early so we can talk? He said, no, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not coming home. She, well, right before he went to work, would you stay home today? And said, I, I want to talk. He said, I don't want to talk. I'm going to talk to you. She kept begging him and said, please, I humbly, just as low as I can get, ask you, would you please? He said, no. Click. I mean, they are not polite at all. They don't have no respect to each other, so they just say and do things that's not really, not really good. But he got to work, got to thinking about it, he called her back up and he said, okay, I took off, now what? So I said, oh, good. And so they got in the car and went to driving, and she began to tell him, I'm sorry for how I've been. I've really been hard for you to deal with because I was raised with a mom that taught me how never let a man get the best of you. Friends, she was educated well. I mean, she could out-talk him, out-maneuver him, out-manipulate him until he got so frustrated he didn't where he believed what he believed anyhow because when she got through with him, he was all twisted up. She knew what she's doing, but you don't enjoy anything you manipulate to get. So finally, she got through confessing how bad she'd been. She knew, I, I've been a bad wife. I haven't been good to you. I fought you all the way. And I, I did all these things. And he said, I can't believe what I'm hearing. 
And so when they got home and they were just visiting, talking with the kids coming home from school, and so he said, well, I'm hungry. I'm going to go ahead and make me a sandwich. She said, I'd be happy to make you one. He said, would you? You know, before, make your own. Are you helpless? You got two hands like I've got. Go fix it. Isn't that love personified? Would you like to be married to something like that? Well, he was surprised, and so she said, I went in and fixed his favorite sandwich. I decorated it. I put little uh, extra curlicues on everything. I decorated it and brought it to him. And when I set it in front of him, he said, I love you. She hadn't heard that in years. When you change, they change. If you wait for the other one to change, and you won't change, you're going to live like that the rest of your life. So I'm expressing to you, it's about time you get the idea and get the message across. Be what you're supposed to be. Let him be what he's supposed to be. Now you think I had a wonderful ending story. It has not ended yet. She said, he's, he's proven to see if I'm real or not. He's making it tougher than ever. But she said, there's a peace that comes into my soul. I may have to go to the bathroom and pray a little while, but I tell you what, he doesn't get my goat no more. Amen. I'm talking to some folks who know what I'm saying. Now, I want to show you one more illustration. I believe when you get his nature, God can make even your enemies to be at peace. But there's some battles that you have to fight, and I pray for some people with the nature they're born with, I feel sorry for them. Because you're born with a nature that's not so difficult, don't gloat and think how good you are. You're as rotten as the other when it comes to sin because you've got to be saved. You may have your good nature, not his nature. You may be easy to get along with naturally. You could be a sinner, you get along. There are some good sinners' homes that they have love in their house. They have order in their house, even though they're not Christians. Because God honors the home when you do the rules of the Bible in your home. But I like to see people that want to change. I was flying the other day here, just I guess a month and a half ago. I was going to Wichita Falls, Brother Elms Church, for a uh, three days of this kind of talking. I tell you, want me to come? I said, look, I, I tell you what I preach on. Now make sure you want this, because I'm going to preach nothing different than this. I'm not preaching somebody else's sermon. I'm preaching Jesus all the way. And if I use somebody else's what they've said in it, that's fine. Some folks are trying to identify what they heard from somebody else and identify everybody. You stop, I stop every few sentences and say it. What I preach, you can preach it in time and what you want to, because I didn't get it and put a copyright on it. God gave it to me, gave it to you, spread it. So I'm trying to explain that to you. But anyway, when I was on my way, I got on a plane in San Francisco, and I was flying, and there was a young black man that came in and sat in the seat next to the window. The seat between was empty, and he had a big old Bible he laid down there. It was one of those thick ones. I could tell he's new because he had a thick Bible. And he put it on the seat, and, and so I listened. I mean, I didn't listen. I mean, I looked over and saw he went to sleep. He slept all the way to Dallas. And we were coming down. He woke up when they told him to buckle up and do all that stuff. And he came alive. And, and, I, and I looked at him and I thought, well, I'm going to see what, you know, what this Bible is all about. I began to question about himself. He said that, well, I'm pastor of a church in San Francisco, my first church. He said, I have been assistant to several pastors, but this is my first church. 
it's a Baptist church. And this church belongs to a different organization, the Baptists, that I'm going to change my organization to get in their organization to pastor their church, and I'm going to Corpus Christi for a convention. And so I said to myself, I'm going to fire him up. I'm going to stir him up. I'm going to make him so hungry before I leave him that he can't stand himself. And he listens so good. I just felt drawn to him some way. And I got to talk about what it means to really know Jesus and really learning of him, hungering and thirsting after him, reaching out after him. And he didn't say a word. He reached in his pocket and fumbled around and he found a piece of paper and he found his pen. He's slow, slow talking, slow moving. And he, he said, and I'm just talking as fast as I can, just like I am now, because I knew he was coming down. We're going to land in just a few minutes. And he said, what's your name? And I told him. He said, what's your address? I told him. He said, what's your phone number? I told him. And I said, you give, I give you mine, give me yours. And so he gave me his card. And that's all he said. I started down the hall with my bags. I had a couple of bags. One was heavier than the other. And after a while, I heard somebody come alongside of me. He said, I want to I wanna take your bags. I said, man, great. He's a husky guy. He took the heaviest one I had. And I enjoyed walking with him. We had a little conversation, not very much. We was down where we were supposed to go in our commuter flights. He was going to Corpus Christi. He was over here. I'm going to uh, Wichita. I'm over here. And I sat down. I was just going to sit there and wait a while. And lo and behold, here he comes. He said, I'm beside me. Now remember, he hadn't told me much. He just sat there for a few minutes, and they called my, my number, and I was ready to go. I stood up to shake hands with him to say, you know, greetings and passing. And he says, uh-uh. I just want a hug. I got all I could get around. I couldn't get it all, but I gave him a hug. I loved him. I appreciated him. I, was, I felt there's some hunger in this fella that I can feed something in his spirit. You get somebody hungry and know about Jesus, you've got me on your hands, friend, because I'm going to stay there if he's one or a thousand. I don't care. It's Jesus I'm talking about. There's nobody like Jesus. What can you say? You talk about him. He's, he's trying to preach Jesus. So I got home several... I don't know, three, two or three weeks, I guess, passed, and I, I was in and out on the road so much. And so I asked my wife, did Bracey call? And he said, no. Finally, one day I was sitting at the desk, and there was his, there was his card, and I just, his phone number, and I just dialed it. I got his little, little niece, and she was so efficient. She's just a young girl, but she was so efficient answering the telephone. You know, some people don't know how to talk on the telephone. They say, yeah. Well, I don't know who yeah is, but they just come on, Yeah. Yeah, you got to figure it all out. Anyway, this little child answered that phone, I mean, like a secretary. And very, very intelligent-like. And so I said, I was wanting to speak uh, to Bracey. She said, well, he's not here right now. I'll, t I'll let him know and have him return the call. Well, it was just probably an hour or so. He come in, he returned the call. And this is what thrilled me. And I haven't had a chance to even, even make contact with him since then because I've been on the road all the time. He, he answered the phone, and he... Told me who he was and so on. He said, you all said something about knowing Jesus when he was coming down in Dallas. I want to be his slave. Would you be my mentor? I said, I sure will. I'm waiting for one of you guys that really want to do it. I want somebody that's got enough inside of them to say I want to learn of him. That's the kind of people I'm trying to get a hold of today. I want the young men, I wish you'd get a hold of this. 
Bless your heart, all your little sports games, all your little venting places, it may serve for the physical, but it doesn't do the spiritual no good. You need to sit down and talk about and learn about Jesus. Did you ever hear his name before? You know what I'm talking about? It's time we learn to know what he does and how he does it and the way he does it and just say, Jesus, I want you. Come on, let's stand together. Let's give him some honor and some praise. He's our God. He loves you. You're the apple of his eye. He's the one he wants to, you're the one he wants to help you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to let you know who he really is. You and Jesus are going to talk together now. Jesus, you can help us. Help us. Help us, Jesus. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, how great, how great thou art. Great.